In the crypto space, we often talk about layer ones and layer twos, but what about layer threes, fours, fives, and even layer zeros like Polkadot? Derek Yu is the founder of PureStake, who's built Moonbeam and Moon River. We talk about why interoperability is so important and the way that we're currently doing it doesn't work. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, PureStake, Moonbeam, Moon River, you're building a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh... Give us the very quick and dirty on everything that you're building and, and why you're doing it. I'll just introduce myself. I'm Derek, uh, the uh, the CEO of PureStake. But yeah, we're known uh, for being the primary developers of uh, the Moonbeam and Moon River networks. Um, so uh, what is Moonbeam? Uh, Moonbeam is a, an L1 uh, smart contract platform um, that is optimized for cross-chain use cases. Um, and so that's what we're really trying to uh, focus on servicing You know, uh, this uh, new emerging you know, um, kind of cross-chain uh, set of scenarios is really is, is, is the thing that we're, that we're focused on. And part of that, you know, part of how we're able to do that is because we're uh, a parachain on Polkadot, so that means that we have access to some special like cross-chain functionality. As, as, as the Talk about why you chose to build on Polkadot. Um, yeah, I think uh, it was clear uh, from the beginning that um, we needed a chain, basically, to that was going to be needed. And so, as soon as you um, uh, reach that conclusion, there's really only a couple options uh, that make sense these days. So that's either using Substrate, uh, which is uh, the development framework that you use to build chains in the Polkadot ecosystem, or Cosmos SDK is what you use to build a Cosmos-based chain. You know, these frameworks are things that make uh, the development of a chain a lot easier, right? I mean, it dramatically reduces the amount of effort you need uh, to put in to, um, uh, to create your own blockchain. And so um, that was the first, I think, choice. And uh, for us, uh, Substrate and Polkadot made uh, made a lot of sense. Um, you know, we had uh, a team that already had some familiarity with Rust as a programming language, so that was a better fit. And actually, um, uh, you know, Polkadot has like a bit more, it has a little bit of a different structure than Cosmos, which we felt would be good for the kinds of um, cross-chain scenarios we're trying to support on Moonbeam. But I have to imagine that your base premise, first principles, was that everything is going to be interoperable and we're going to live in a multi-chain world and that we're not going to live in a world where one chain dominates. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I, if I go back to the, the mindset that, you know, led us to the Moonbeam idea in the first place, it definitely that was a premise is there's going to be many blockchains. And if I get, even when you accept that, you realize that this ability for the blockchains to communicate with each other or to connect to each other becomes this kind of critical capability, right? Um, and so that was also like a, you know, a key thing that we were looking for, even, you know, even back a couple of years, it's like, well, who is it that has some point of view or some take on how this cross-chain communication is going to work, and that's where, uh, you know, the the Polkadot system itself. That's I would call it one of the key, the key features that it has is this um, like built-in networking capability, if you want to call it that, that allows blockchains to talk to each other. It's called XCM. Right. If you've been following me for the last few months, then you definitely know that I've been trading and investing on BitGet. Now listen, it took me six months to decide that they were going to be the sponsor for the newsletter. But once I saw their partnership with Juventus, that they were the world's leading copy trading platform in crypto, and also that they're a top five exchange by volume, well, I was sold and I was convinced. And I've been using it ever since to dollar cost average and to invest in Bitcoin. You can also trade there with leverage, but of course, be careful if you're gonna do that. And I don't know if you saw the recent news, but they've also done a deal with Lionel Messi. Now, you can get up to an $8,000 bonus using my link below, and you can trade spot with absolutely no fees. You also get a 15% discount on trading 
leverage. Go ahead and sign up right now using the wolfofallstreets.info slash bitget. Claim that huge reward and use the world's best trading platform. I mean, you describe Moonbeam obviously as a layer one. Does that mean that Polkadot's a layer zero? That, that's the terminology <laughs> they use. You know, it, it is kind of the terminology they use because you kind of have these layer ones and then there's something underneath it. So I guess you have to subtract one and go to zero. Um, but, you know, I think people have, are using that branding. And, you know, there's the project called Layer Zero, right? This right. Thinking about the same ideas, although there are arguably smart contracts on top of the layer ones. So it gets a little confusing. But, yeah, I think that's the idea. Is, uh, Crypto vernacular is so incredibly confusing, I think, even for the people <laughs> who are deeply in it. But obviously, if we start from the idea of interoperability, that's going to be important. I think it's important to also take a look at what interoperability looks like now. And I would mm-hmm. say that it's not there yet, at least. And in fact, I think you could argue that a lot of the exploits and problems that we've had have been because of their attempts to make change interoperable. Right. Is that a fair assessment? I think that's fair. But I would say that you know this kind of idea that the, interop- the cross-blockchain interoperability is a key capability. You know, the, de- the demand is there. The users like want to like you know yeah. use this. It's just that there's security issues that need to be dealt with. And um, yeah, but I, I would say that you know in that kind of intervening two plus years since we started the project, obviously a lot of other things have happened. So the rise of bridges. There's a lot of new like new interoperability protocols these days. You know, I mentioned one layer zero. Um, you know, we just had an announcement with Wormhole um, today actually. Uh, Axelar. There's, so there's a number of other uh, protocols that are you know attacking the same problem of hey how do we you know network these blockchains together? Yeah, I think a lot of this actually happened this year. So yeah. these are all like pretty new things. So there's these new kind of tools that the developers have in their toolkit. Uh, so what's unique to what you're building versus all of these other attempts? Yeah, I see it as that uh, on Moonbeam we're looking to support as many of these like, cross-chain um, uh, interoperability protocols as possible. We're in a moment right now where. It's you know there's definitely not clear if there's going to be kind of consolidation to you know some handful of, like what that will be, and so what we're seeing is that it's really developer led where the developers are often choosing hey like I'm going to work with layer zero or I'm going to work with uh, you know they're they're choosing what what they want to work with, and so you know for us we just need to support as many of them as possible, um, and we're seeing you know definitely a different you know of uh, these protocols getting adoption from different development teams, but there are patterns that are starting to emerge that are pretty interesting. Um, I would say what's become clear, so if I back, back up for a second, we have this concept called connected contracts. And so the idea is a smart contract on Moonbeam can work with uh, service users, work with assets, you know, access functionality on uh, any blockchain regardless of, of where it is. And it's using this like, cross-chain messaging under the hood to connect the smart contracts on Moonbeam to other like, destinations. And so the, what uh, we're seeing happen now is people are starting to use this functionality to uh, create apps that span multiple blockchains. And the thing that's probably most interesting for me is th- there's two kind of key benefits I see coming out of a lot of the you know experiments and other protocols that are under development. One is that uh, people are creating protocols that are more efficient than their unnetworked counterparts. And we can go into an example of that. Um, and then the second thing is around the user experience. So I think that people are using these techniques to create apps that have you know better and less complicated user experiences than you know, what was previously possible. I'd love for you to expand on both yeah, of those things. Yeah, you sure. said you had an example of the first. Sure, so uh, you know, an example, of, um, so I actually just met um, yesterday with um, uh, Colton uh, from uh, Prime Protocol. So Prime Protocol is, think of like a, a maker style uh, over collateralized uh, stable coin. Uh, so you put collateral assets in, you can mint stable coins out. But the, the architecture is different. So you know, the traditional way of, of being a multi-chain deployment of that would be that you'd have like separate 
like instances of that on like many chains. Yeah. And so what he's done instead is, is I call it kind of a hub and spoke model where there's a master set of contracts on Moonbeam and then there's like a remote kind of branch office set of contracts on a bunch of other chains, so Avalanche, you know, Polygon, uh, ETH mainnet and so on. And so then the idea is, let's say that you, know, uh, you would deposit AVAX into the local branch on, on Avalanche, um, then a message gets sent back to the, to the center on Moonbeam saying, hey, Scott just deposited you know, this much like AVAX on Avalanche. The asset doesn't move, there's no bridging, there's just this information that's coming back to the center. And so then this, this, like the, the central set of contracts on Moonbeam have visibility into the state across all the chains. So then if you go to mainnet, you could say, okay, now I want to mint stable coins, and it says, oh, okay, look, like, Scott has this like balance available from like you know deposits that happen on Avalanche. So let's allow you know for minting of stable coins on mainnet. And so I think that the interesting thing here is that you see it's it's like you know if you compare against having separate like installations everywhere, you get this effect where you can leverage any of the deposits on any chain, like on any other chain. So I think it's gonna it's gonna be a more efficient protocol, right? Like a, yeah, it also seemingly eliminates you actually moving the asset from one yeah. chain to another, and you don't, and and you don't move assets. You don't move assets exactly. I mean, doesn't that doesn't that effectively solve the exploit and hack I, I think it reduces it reduces the you know the problem with the bridges is it becomes this huge honeypot because then there's all these assets getting locked up. So yeah, I think it does it does address or get at that problem as well. So yeah, I think that's you know in DeFi in particular, I think DeFi is like leading on a lot of these things, but I expect there to be. You know, you don't even you can just take any existing idea and say, "Hey, I'm going to make the new cross-chain network version of it." And I think there's going to be a lot of benefit, you know, uh, um, kind of protocol efficiency to be gained by doing that. So it sounds like all these protocols you see as not competitors, but as potential partners for other chains, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, and this is a, a kind of a mindset difference. I'd say that you know that we definitely take as part of optimizing for these cross-chain use cases. I think a lot of other L1s see it as this zero-sum game where they're like. I want win. to fill my fill yeah. my block space. I don't want you know to work with anyone else. But you know, these use cases are naturally like cross cutting. So we're saying no, no. Like we want to, you know, we want to support like um, you know these messaging integrations with as many other chains as possible. And I think the developers want that too, right? Because they, you know, what I've seen on the developer side is that previously there was this nail biter of a decision up front, like which chain should I deploy? Do I want to be a big fish in a little pond? You know, little fish, big pond. Which you know, if I get this wrong, I'm screwed. So yeah. I think now with this approach, you can kind of. Deploy in one place, but then organically expand to like other, you know, other chains. You're also hedging your bet. Yeah, so I think. I, it, I mean, if you choose a chain and that layer one ends up being exploited and useless, you've wasted years of development, right? So that's right, now, that's if right. you have access to all of them, that's you don't right. have to worry about making the wrong choice. I think, it, yeah, it, it's it's quite helpful and de-risks like the situation for developers for sure. And uh, you know, I want to get back to the second You know, I, I mentioned the the second um, you know, kind of driver is around the user experience. So the example, you know, I just uh, while I was been here at Mainnet, we recorded this video with um, uh, with Osmosis and Axlar. So we did kind of a three-way integration uh, with those two teams. So let, let me explain um, how that went. So Osmosis, um, uh, for those uh, of you who don't know, is an app chain DEX on Cosmos. Um, you know, Sonny really values the user experience. He wants to create you know, the best possible user experience um, by being an app chain. And so what he wanted to do was to do uh, one-click dot deposits. So it's on Cosmos, but you know, if you want to deposit dot into one of the pools he has, you know, just make that very simple. Present the user with a dot deposit address, a native dot deposit address. And so there's, here's what happens behind the scenes. So the user gets this dot deposit address, if they transfer dot to that address, there's like a whole series of events that get kicked off. So you know the dot goes from the Polkadot relay chain where dot lives natively. <clears throat> uh, it gets transferred via XCM to Moonbeam, so we call that XC dot when it's on Moonbeam. You know then it gets forwarded to Axelar, so it's a routed you know from Moonbeam across to the Cosmos interchain like ecosystem. 
you know, then IBC is used to like move it to like uh, to osmosis, and then there's an LP action like you know on the osmosis side to LP it in. And so I like this example because it shows that the user is not like aware of this. They just get the dot deposit address, they put it in. Oh my gosh! In, if they were like you know, yeah, I mean, if you did all those steps, it's like a 50-step like process, very complicated. But I, I see this as a key thing where this is like like Web two where you start hiding away some of the infrastructural complexity away from the user. The user expresses what they want to do, and sure, maybe there's. You know, a bunch of chains needed to fulfill that request, but you know the user doesn't have to like be interacting with each one. Uh, and you're using this is enabled by like cross-chain messaging. I, right? I would argue that what you just described is the single biggest obstacle to mainstream adoption for crypto in general. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that it's just not easy to use for your average person. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. So I see that this cross-chain messaging like enables this like hiding of complexity, like which I think is going to be an important driver. Do you think uh, then that we get to the point with DeFi and, and these protocols where it's like your cell phone, I make a call. I don't really worry about it. I don't worry about you know voice over IP when I'm using uh, Zoom, and I don't worry about how the internet works. I just do it. I, I think so. I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, there's unique things about crypto where you know the not your keys, not your coin. I mean, there's certain things that are probably you know a bit unique and will always need some level of user interaction. It might be different than a Web two application, but I mean, adoption is adoption, right? And so I think that uh, I mean, this is the the story I tell people. I came from this Web two background, building like cloud products. And so, um, and that's a bit unusual sometimes. So I think a lot of Web three founders are, you know, the first time founders. Yeah. And so I, you know, when I explain to people like, look, it, it, the products, you know, the mobile and other products that we built in this Web two company, a third of the of the product staff was like UX, you know, people. Yeah. it's either designers, uh, you know, people doing like research, like, and I, that kind of blows people's minds. Like, but no, that's like what people do, and like when they're making Web two products that are going to be um, easy to use, is you put like a lot of energy into the user experience. So what are the most exciting things that are being built on Moonbeam? Yeah, I, I mean, it is around these cross-chain connected use cases. Um, uh, you know, I'd say that a lot of adoption is happening in, in DeFi. I think that a lot of those teams are kind of the most aggressive to adopt and also for looking for competitive advantage, right, relative to other yeah. protocols. Uh, so we're definitely seeing a bunch of those in the lending borrowing space and, and you know, different areas of DeFi. Um, but I would say uh, we are seeing games, too. Um, so like the gaming use case could be, um, like there's a project I, uh, uh, I just met with that, they have a racing game, and uh, the idea is that like there is like this kind of master kind of uh, deployment on Moonbeam, but then they have like race tracks on a bunch of the other chains, and so each of the races happening on those other chains can be kind of an event in its own right. You can have you know that you know that kind of provides value both to the chain and the users there, but then there's this aggregation of all the race results coming back to like the master chain, right, where you can have you know let's say a season or like a competition kind of thing, and so I think that's pretty cool, right? That's again back to this idea of organically expanding like different chains and but having it all be part of like the same system. I love the idea of GameFi and play to earn gaming, of course, and everything, but it seems like none of the games are anywhere close to the quality of what's coming out of, you know, Hollywood level studios. For gaming, it just feels very early to me for for uh, gaming. I mean, do you agree or do you no, think? I, I agree. I mean, it, it's. I think back on some of the same comments I was making, where I think to make a great game is like you know that's not just hey I'm going to try making. It. I mean that's you know you have you need serious people. It's like you know it, it takes probably a couple failures first before you you know learn how to make a good one. Yeah, and I think obviously you have to adapt yourself to Web three in the sense that. Um, you know, blockchains are slow, and you know, so there's like certain like trade offs yeah. that need to be made. Yeah. Well. We've obviously had sort of a DeFi summer, NFT summer, metaverse fall. Mm. Will all of those sort of categories of crypto be built on Moonbeam, or do you think there are more specific use cases that you're better tooled for? 
where where I see Moonbeam going is is uh, you know I mentioned around these like uh, cross chain applications, but what we see is uh, I can see Moonbeam being a hub of cross chain messaging activity. Ultimately, I mean that's really where the you know, the, the value is that we're providing. And so as these techniques I've been describing get adopted, you know, I can, Moonbeam is kind of strategically positioned to be um, you know, let's call it this like central like routing point like for all of these different cross chain messages. Uh, you know, we have unique access into the Polkadot ecosystem. That's one thing, but you know we're starting to see other things that you know there may be scenarios that cut across multiple messaging systems, and then so you need to, an ability to kind of route between these different messaging systems. You know, developers want to use more than one, right? They might want to have redundancy in their system. So these are the kinds of um, scenarios that we're uh, thinking about, and even baking in features then into the L1 itself to help make it a better like deployment destination for these cross-chain use cases. Are there ideas or concepts being built either on Moonbeam or just in general? beyond sort of the obvious categories I've talked about that are really exciting you for the future? Some use cases of crypto that maybe we're not even thinking about? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, the technique is this cross-chain, but like obviously the, the use case like, yeah. you know, can leverage like that capability to, you know, and, uh, to um, uh, kind of make a better version like, than you were able to do with just a single-chain uh, environment. I think what I, what I see is that my, my vision is a bit um, that Moonbeam could be something like an AWS, right? So it's basically... Uh, instead of having these like single bespoke chains, like you used to have like single computers that people kind of care and fed and do these things, moving more to a model where it's um, on demand, right? So you might have you know the ability to get like lock space on demand, um, and I think developers are going to care less in the future about where you know where that comes from, and do they just need it to be decentralized, secure, and then you know have it be available like when when they need it, and so that's kind of the vision we're marching to is you know having different kinds of specialized chains, using Moonbeam as a way to kind of connect them together, um, and then uh, you know, provide that to developers so they can you know, leverage these specialized chains to build apps that can scale more than when they're just running on a single chain. Talk about being decentralized and secure. Something that comes up all the time now, but didn't seem to be a huge narrative. You mentioned AWS. How is anything decentralized if it's all being built on centralized cloud services? Uh, well, that's, you know, obviously a lot of the nodes get run on the cloud, so that's definitely a thing. But, um, uh, you know, this decentralized AWS vision I have, like, it would be AWS-like in the sense that there's different developer services, but it would all be, like, Web3, you know, based services. So if you wanted to build a decentralized application, you might say, oh, I need compute, I need, like, storage, I need, like, you know, an ability to store my user accounts. And you'd use those specialized blockchains to, to you know, build like the application. Something so we like could that. eliminate AWS from it entirely. Yeah, I think that. Well, there's still probably not now, well, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I think if you wanted to build a Web three application, yeah, I think that uh, you know you'd use these services in the same way where they're kind of easy to consume as a developer. And you talked about the fact that that's what you were somewhat doing before this. Could you talk about your background and how you landed here? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was uh, uh, building a, a Web two traditional, um, uh, and I've actually been building software my whole career, but. Um, uh, you know, I did spend quite a bit of time building up a, a cloud communications company um, in the Web2 space. Uh, the way I got into crypto is that my uh, co-founder from that effort, um, you know, left and start, started a crypto project. So that's wow. a guy named Steve Kokinos. He's a, he uh, left to start the project Algorand. Um, mm -hmm. Of course. So, uh, uh, so, yeah, it was through then discussions with him that, uh, you know, I got quite interested in, in crypto as well. Is Web3 an evolution of Web2 or is it a parallel rail? I I see it as parallel. I mean, I don't. I mean, Web two is not going away, right? It, it still serves a useful function, but you know, I see it as parallel, and there will probably be increasing, you know, kind of incorporation of concepts from each other. You know, I think into into applications. Are there things that exist on Web two that cannot be improved in Web three? What I say there, I mean, 
I think there is, I mean, there are certain things that Web3 is like not well designed for, right? And given this, the speed of blockchains and other things, and this, you know, there is this tension point we talked about around UX and around, um, you know, users being able to hold their keys. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, uh, you know, there's properties that Web3 has, obviously, that can't be serviced well by Web2, like censorship resistance and some of the, you know, things you were just talking about with AWS, right? It's a, are we going to get solutions that simplify that, that private key process that you just hinted at? Because... Yet again, I think as much as we talk about people being their own bank, that means most people are going to fail at being their own bank or they're going to be too scared to even try. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and, and there's a lot of, and frankly, that's not uh, an area that I'm an expert in, but there's obviously already a lot of thought that's gone into different kinds of solutions that make, you know, key, end user key management easier. And But yeah, I do see that as one of the key UX challenges, right? I mean, if you want mass adoption, you really have to make it uh, both easy at the and at the same time, uh, you know, uh, hard to like lose like you know lose your yeah. funds. So it's it is a, a difficult problem. Yeah, I mean, I think everything, if we want true mainstream adoption, billions of people has to be as easy as logging into your Facebook or doing a transaction on PayPal. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. Can that happen? I think it can happen, uh, but uh, you know, I, some of these problems they take a while to you know to uh, to crack. It's not just. Uh, Hey, like we solved it, right? I mean, you know, if you look at regular computing, I mean, just to get to mobile UX where it is now, that took like 30 years or something, right? So it just takes a while. And your and your iPhone updates every uh, th- three days. It feels like just to continue to make those improvements. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's continuous. So, a lot of people, I think, in crypto want the final iteration now. Yeah. I think that there's a really People, uh, it keeps coming up every time of a conversation, the idea of moving fast and breaking things. But when I think you're talking about people's money, maybe this is a longer timeline than they would expect. I think it's just you, you know, people have to realize that, you know, right now we're in an era where we're moving from like shared like blockchains to like you can build your own. I mean, that's, you know, Moonbeam is part of that wave of like, you know, using these frame new frameworks to build your own. But also they're just becoming networked. So it's like back to when computers were first accessing the internet. Like that's the kind of era we're in. And you just think about all the, you know, the cloud is all these things that like developed like once those things were, 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 were available. And so we're just at the beginning of that now in, in Web3. Five years, 10 years, 20 years? I think 10, I'd say. It's like, you know, it's like there's probably a lot of um, like uh, specialization and development's going to happen over the next five to 10 years. And so then in 10 years, we have a Web2 UX UI equivalent and people, uh, maybe not, are, yeah, but, yeah. but people are generally just... Using it, they don't know that blockchain is the underlying technology. You don't so. need to use terms like bridging and NFTs. And I think so. Yeah. It's just absolutely existing. Well, I, so. I look forward to that future. So thank <laughs> yeah, you so, so much I, for helping right. build it. Yeah.